questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Filmed over three years on five continents, tonight we go behind the scenes of the documentary film Transmutation, which explores personal mystical revelation amid the obstacles of mainstream culture, sharing personal stories of individuals who have gone through profound life changes which have altered them for the better. The feature documentary explores the rarely seen intimacies of deeply individualistic mystical experiences of everyday reality. A roving philosopher guides us through the striking forests, coastlines, deserts, and cities of the world, inviting us to embrace the intense mystery of our own existence. Is direct personal encounter with divinity a real thing? What secrets are buried in nature's deep places? Why has main- mainstream culture sought to eradicate the awakened human? Is normality really our friend? Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. I always love to hear from you. And tonight we have two guests. Neil Kramer is a philosopher, teacher, esotericist, and author. His work focuses on spirituality, mysticism, and metaphysics, and you know him very well. His website is neilkramer.com. And we also have Niles Heckman, the director of the feature film Transmutation, and the co-creator of the documentary series Shamans of the Global Village. He is the founder of Aurora Lab. His work is visual effects, can be seen in blockbusters films like Avatar, Pirates of the Caribbean, Fantastic Four, Blade, Trinity, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, Terminator 3, and The Incredible Hulk. He also has a passion for street photography. The movie link is transmutationfilm.com, and they are both producers of the film. Neil Kramer and Niles Heckman, welcome to Veritas. How are you? Great to be here. Thank you. Pleasure to speak with you, Mill. Always, always my pleasure to have Neil and any of his friends. Now, I just finished watching the movie last night. And first of all, let me say, just like I told you both before we started, congratulations. The synergy you both bring together is evident in every scene, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, thank you. That's a great compliment. As I know, you see a lot of material and watch a lot of stuff. So, yeah, thank you. That's very much appreciated. Now, yeah. Go ahead, Niles. No, go ahead, mate. Go ahead. Well, I'm curious. How did the two of you get together to to create this? Because honestly, it's it's almost a piece of art. Niles, I think you're very well placed to answer that, if I may. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, through essentially a decade-long process consisting of a significant amount of internal changes in my life, I went from, as you said, Mel, working in Hollywood on big-budget movies as well as game cinematics and high-end commercials, which were a cauldron of essentially cutthroatness, hyper-competitiveness, egos, and ladder climbing, which, (laughs) of course, resulted in projects that look amazing but, for the most part, have little to no underlying significance. And then I transitioned over that time into working with alchemists, shamans, mystics, and magicians 
you know, and essentially more authentic work of documentary projects that were, of course, more obscure, but have a much deeper substance, the two of which you mentioned in that nice intro. So you could I guess you could say I've been going, you know, like all those who go through a significant amount of change do from somewhat of history, which is, of course, his story into mystery, which is my story as I'm becoming a bit of a esoteric documentarian. So through these processes, of course, Neil was somebody whose work I had obviously seen and very much admired as somebody that's very well respected in the uh, kind of mystical and metaphysical arena. So when you come across somebody's work that you really admire and you get to meet them and know them and then actually end up pitching a project to them, it was something where we found that we had a lot in common. And we, uh, as somebody that was a fairly recent transplant to the United States when we first started this project, it was nice because Neil was just one state away. So I essentially ended up pitching this uh, feature to him. And Neil, when he approached you, what was your thought at first? Who is this man, and is he any good? <laughs> so, as with Niles, uh, you know, I am very particular about who I would collaborate with. And uh, Niles, you know, we chatted on Skype. I looked over his resume and whatnot, and you know, his his resume was very impressive, and he'd done a lot of high end work, as 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 it as you both uh, highlighted, which was great. And I thought, wow, that's that's cool, that's interesting. But you know, who is the person? which is all what it's about for me. Who is, who is the guy? So we spoke a lot. We talked about the principle of this project and how unusual it would be and how different it is to anything else that is out there, which we both liked the sound of that. And then basically, you know, Niles and I just got together. You know, he came over on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we hung out, went driving around together, took some photographs, you know, did some test footage, you know, went for fantastic Mexican food, <laughs> you know, drank wine and beer, looked at the stars and just hung out like to get to know each other, to make sure that the uh, the friendship and the professionalism, there was the right blend of it, which I think for both of us is pretty important because like Niles in the past when I've worked with other people occasionally who the product is nice, but it, it's not substantial because they are, they're not substantial. So I don't really want to collaborate on something that I know isn't going to be quality. So, you know, at the bottom, the bottom line is we were checking each other out, and it worked, and we got along great. We had a good laugh. We had the right artistic uh, vision together. And I know that Niles is, I have to say, is one of the very few people whose quality bar, in terms of what he demands from himself, is as high as mine. So he would insist upon certain production values and a certain cinematic caliber that you know was very pleasing to me which we i haven't seen in in other productions so uh, he, he had that eye for it and that kind of uh, work regime which i appreciate you know and he is he's one of the few people that i've worked with where he's been the one you know checking up on me saying where's that thing you told me that you were going to send me on Wednesday and I'm like oh yeah sorry about that I've not done it which to me is wonderful because it means that Niles was always always there so his, his work ethic was excellent because you know this is years of work hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of work and we've got other things to do and families and other business projects and other creative and spiritual pursuits so you have to really be on top of your game so 
I think you know seeing that we were we both could do that was really important. Yeah, and just to add to that, I mean, Mel, like my, my background is essentially just making pretty pictures, and I spent over a decade in a previous career, air, quote, air quotes, making pretty pictures for high-budget movies. And as we know, a lot of that stuff is not only just razor thin in terms of its how deep of what it ultimately has to say, it's, it's part of the problem, as we could talk about. So I needed to transition away from that. I knew at that point in my life I needed to get away from that as we transition from one thing to another, as we inevitably go through these internal alchemical changes in our lives. And like so many of us who want to change from one career to another, I knew that I needed to align with somebody whose material was just so polar opposite of anything that you would see from Hollywood. So as I started <laughs> getting into you know, areas of more obscure and occult themes, I inevitably pitched this, this idea to him, but at the time we didn't know what it was, right? So we had to very yeah. much brew it in the kind of alchemical cauldron of like, what is really go- what is this really going to be? And how do we actually work together? And knowing that we had had past professional careers together, there's a work aesthetic there that's really nice so that we knew that we could get things done and what we knew that we could do things on a schedule and we knew that we could be professional in the way that we presented things. But we also knew that we could work together and create something that was very novel and original and unique because of, of course, Neil's background and his capabilities and what the, the depths of knowledge and wisdom that he knows from his past and his training with, with wisdom from the ancient past. So I knew that Neil was somebody that I could pitch a project to at the time. And it, it was something that would essentially plant a seed that, of course, five years later now has flowered into this amazing special project that, we're, of course, we're very proud of and very honored to have you say such nice things about it. So thank you so much, mm-hmm. babe. <laughs> sure. And, you know, one thing I noticed, and I used this expression that many years ago, Neil and I were having a conversation and we were discussing the industries we used to work at. And we said, you have to live in the belly of the beast or something along those lines, Neil, before you mm-hmm. can deconstruct, deconstruct it or slay it. And yeah, it seems that that's a common denominator between the two of you, even me, yep. and every person that shows up on this documentary. They seem to have done something before, and they realize that's not the answer, that's not the way to live life, and they have, no pun intended, they have transmuted their life into something new. <laughs> Was that a purpose, or is that something that happened coincidentally? Yeah, no, that's that's definitely something that we uh, planned, which is we don't want just uh, an, a narrator saying things that don't have substance or direct encounter, because many people who watch this will know who I am, but many people won't. And so you, you have to pin it into real life. So it's not just theoretically viewing what might be nice for some distant spiritual idea of a distant future for a few special people but what real men and women who we know who you see in this film you know half a dozen of of them and we see them quite intimately talking about their own life how can they uh, radiate this authentic path how can they do that so we basically just approached about 10 or 11 people and we filmed with them and said you know understand that we're not going to be able to fit everybody in. So, you know, you may or may not be in this, but we'd love you to film with us. So these are people that I know who have worked with me uh, or who have worked with my material. And so we we have that in common, but they're also very much their own people, of course, and they have their own path and their own nuances and their own stories. 
So it's not obvious when you're looking at it that these are people who've worked with Neil. What's obvious is that these are people who have, as you say, transformed, trans, gone through a, a, a process of transmutation in their own life. And it's my contention that you can feel it. The authenticity of the people and the presence of them is very sincere. It's not just the usual talking heads that you see on TV and crap documentaries. These are people who are really, really doing something with themselves. Very small ego, very big presence in terms of their essence of the person. So you can really feel this woman, this man. And, you know, we just sat down with them and just rolled the camera. Everything is totally unscripted, totally, totally unscripted. And we just start talking. And then, you know, we edit our questions out and just roll and they start to talk about how the mystical path, the path of embracing the mystery of life, has affected them. And it's it's quite touching. And the number of emails I've had already of people saying, you know, they were in awe or they were crying or they've, you know, had a great passion or zeal because somebody somewhere in the film and there's various characters that, you know, kind of affect different sorts of viewers. But somebody somewhere in the film really got through to them, really moved them. Something poignant happened. So that that was an intention from the start, that Niles and I had said, let's speak to very particular kinds of people, all at different stages of the journey, some more advanced than others, but everyone on the journey feeling that sort of fire of transformation in their own life. And it's not all happy-happy. Some of it's sad, some of it's difficult, some of it's shadow. But overall, the, the uh, sense of strengthening and the sense of higher aspiration is present throughout. So it was, a, it was a privilege to sit with those different people. I know them very well, all of them. But of course, the viewers don't. Niles hadn't met these people before he met me. So it was nice to just capture a little bit of the, the, the essence of their path on the film, of course, with the hope that it's going to inspire other people to take their own uh, inner growth more seriously because these people um, become beacons for that in others. And it's, it's they're warm, full people. They're not just quiet, you know, meditating people sat just away from society. These are people thrust into the heart of life, feeling the blood and the sweat and the tears every day, just like everyone else but really present in it and becoming stronger. M men of substance, women of substance, making themselves that way. It's also a good element to just show that spirituality, especially from a modern perspective, is something that isn't a lifestyle choice, right? So it's not about shaving your head and tattooing an ancient symbol of the flower of life on the side of your head and going to some festival or something. It's about these people look like everyday folks, you know, they look like people that, you you know, you might have as your neighbor in some in white picket fence suburbia, but you'd never have any idea the depth and wisdom of some of these folks. So it, it's it's very healthy to have a nice balance where you can operate in a hippie drum circle or you can operate in a boardroom and have that nice blend and, and balance between not polarizing in the way that you present yourself, but living really authentically and truly as a spiritual human being. Yeah, beautiful so port Niles, yeah. Yeah, thank you. So it's nice to show people that we don't want to just say have a have a certain way about them, but they just look like authentic people and they're not trying to overly present themselves in some flashy way like we know some people do as they are at some level of the journey. 
one aspect of the film that I found very interesting. You know, I love to watch movies and I love the combination of music, of the script, of the visuals. But unfortunately, and I hope I'm not offending you with this, Niall, since you basically come from Hollywood and we come from the financial industry and Neil had his background there too. But we, no offense at all. <laughs> right. We know better now. But when I watch, for example, uh, let me pick up the movie Avatar, for example. Sure. We see sure. so many things there that, you know, the Navi and, and, and cutting the tree and, and the unobtainium and everybody who's listening knows what I'm talking about. And Hollywood puts certain things that if they were actually to create a documentary, it makes sense that it's what's happening today, but it may, they make it as fiction. And when I saw your documentary yesterday, I thought, this, the music, the poetry, basically, the words, the visuals, all together, this could actually change humanity. If everybody watched this movie, everybody would just say, why am I being brainwashed? Why am I being normal, quote unquote normal? Why am I following the script from day one when I'm, when I'm ready to open my eyes and spoo- you know, say my first word? But when you watch this movie, you realize, I have the key. I can remove those shackles. But Hollywood, and this is the part where I didn't want you to get offended because you're, you've been there, and now you're deconstructing it. Why don't we see more movies like this there? Is it because where it bleeds, it leads, and that's what sells? There is an aspect to that with it. I mean, I as somebody that was part of Hollywood but was very much like a tertiary element of Hollywood, you know, I didn't have a... I wasn't at some point where I was in a pitch meeting and I could decide what type of projects would be made. I was very much a technician, which was part of my journey where I, I knew that I could I knew I was essentially demonstrably underutilized in my day job. And I was a cog in an assembly line, just like so many jobs are. And as all of us are our own unique snowflakes and we're we're all here for a, a very important reason, especially as we walk the yellow brick road of what is you might call a inner alchemical transformation or transmutation or a spiritual path. You know, there's profound importance for why we're here. So there's more to life than just, you know, being a cog in an assembly line. So in terms of the projects, I mean, I, I could see just from afar the poor level of 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 discourse and honor that people that were oftentimes in positions of deciding how a project got made or what happened with a project. And we could see a lot of this in something like the Sony leak, where you just see the behavior of people that is very unhonorable who are essentially supposed to be studio executives, for example. So I think what it really stems from is just people that don't have the internal development, as we know that the inside is the cause and the outside is the effect. It's like there's just not enough in there to really output good material, especially from people that are at points in some sort of hierarchical position where they can make decisions about what projects get made in Hollywood. And I sometimes joke and say that Hollywood is as much of a swamp as Washington or Wall Street and very much is a system much in containment with all those things and reducing people and the amount of low, dim material that it outputs and how much of that is not very enriching or fulfilling from an ultimate standpoint. It's just distraction and and it's just a, a pretty wrapper with you know very little under the surface. So that that's something that this project I think was was something that came to fruition as I, I'm starting to realize that it's it, it is possible to combine essentially high production values with high conscious content. And I think this project is a representation of that. And I'm oftentimes not not surprised that we don't see that from traditional ways of doing things with informal structures such as Hollywood. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I would I would add this to that, which is really just saying what Niall said in a in a just an, an a, 
addendum to that. The thing that Hollywood don't want is work that empowers. That's what they don't want. They work, they want escapism and they offer like a drug to say, look, we know your life is dull and repetitive and predictable and you'll never have anything of value. So here's another world that you can dream about. And that is a very disempowering thing over time. And it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, Star Wars or Marvel comics or documentaries about lions in Africa. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's often presented as escapism to say, you are powerless. So the best you can do is daydream. And here's a nice daydream for you to take your mind off it while you eat some M&Ms and have a big milkshake, you know. So with this, we thought, well, let's, let's, let's do that a bit differently. Let's, let's do the opposite. Let's reverse this. Let's make something that looks as good as that. And in my view, that, as we've said, the production values, we've made them as high as we can using the best techniques and gear and stuff. And, you know, above all, Niles's artistic temperament and sensibilities and sense of proportion and light and beauty. That's where it, most of it that comes from is from him. But let's take that power, that artistic power, and put the, a content in it that is actually empowering, deeply individualistic, and champions human strength. Not diminishes it, doesn't mock it, doesn't make fun of it, doesn't place the strength outside of human beings into a far-off, distant, you know, make-believe something, but is right here, right in your own life where if you watch this film closely, and believe me, as we'll come to talk about, you need to watch it several times because we've put a lot into it. We've encoded a lot into it. But even in the first viewing, even in the very first pass of looking at this material, you'll see that we're inviting people to embrace the mystery, which is this the sacred invitation to wisdom of life. We're inviting people to embrace that in a more serious way. And as you do that, the the edifice, the system that I call empire, loses control of that individual because individualism essentially kills empire. So the the artistry and the beauty and the, the tenderness are there for sure. But there's also a great power, a great radicalism in the true sense of the word and a great uh, warrior spirit to say this film is a weapon against normality because it tears it to pieces when you look at it properly you start to realize that you have something inside you that is terrifying to empire terrifying to the deep state and it's inherent in us and all you've got to do is activate it so we use every picture every frame every piece of music every word out of everybody's mouth to try and illustrate that because it's it is mysterious it, as I say, again, it's a very singular path. You can't prescribe it for everybody. Everybody's journey to this divine power is very unique. You, can, you can't, you know, put one system, one doctrine for everybody. So that's what's so attractive to me about the mystical path is that it's very individualistic. There's no priest class. There's no middleman. There's no religion. It's just the individual's pathway to the creator. And that journey is very is quite an adventure. And so we, we show that through this film, especially as you're sort of following me around through the forests and through various little pathways and 
through cliffs and waterfalls and driving through snow and all kinds of stuff you you get the sense that you're following someone who's who's living like that which i am that is what i've chosen to do and say is this something that would have in any way shape or form inspire your own pathways so there's not only me doing that but as we've said there's you know half a dozen other fabulous men and women who really are doing something as i say at all different levels we won't worry about what the attainment and initiatory achievements are forget that the people who are serious about transformation and when and when you're doing that in a mystical sense we use this word transmutation which is you're taking something and making it into something else with will so it is it's no longer what it used to be the old thing has actually disappeared and something brand new has come in its place and that is what a transmutation is I'm going to ask you later about the locations because some of them were just absolutely incredible. I was saying to myself, I want to go there. I want to go there. I want to go there. <laughs> But what you said about the escapism is so true. So many people, and I hate to continue just mentioning Avatar, but it just comes to mind. You probably have heard of the Avatar depression. The, the, what is it? Uh, Avatar-induced depression or something along those lines <laughs> that some mm. people committed suicide. And some people were just becoming depressed after watching that movie, saying, you know, how beautiful the scenery is. And there's nothing in the movie that actually helps to lift you. In your case, you have scenery that is not CGI. This is real, real visuals. Real life. Real life visuals. The colors are incredible. And every word that you utter, Neil, is a tool for everybody to be able to, to empower themselves And there's nothing that you cannot attain. When you finish the movie, you think, I have all these tools at my disposal. Why am I not using them? And this is why I think this movie is so dangerous for the establishment. That's yeah. an honor. That's an yeah. honor to hear. It's, that's one yeah, thing that's really nice. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me too, Mel, of like, you know, something like Ready Player One, the Ernest Klein book, which is essentially about people that yes. just want to upload to an AR or VR space because reality becomes so depressing for them that they, they don't see the magic and mystery of life. And as this documentary is something where a lot of documentaries are depressing and just show the kind of horrors and the awfulness of the negative side of polarity, we chose to make something which is very empowering and beautiful, right? And shows you that you have the tools at your disposal to do exactly just that, to empower yourself as you go on your own inner journey. And we also made the principle uh, that we wouldn't ignore pain and suffering and sorrow and destruction and depression and confusion and loneliness. So all those things are faced throughout this. So the shadow side, let's just say half of life, just like half of the day is light and half of life is shadow like the nighttime. So that's entwined throughout the film. And you see the same kind of pain and suffering that everybody feels depicted through certain individuals, a couple of people who, you know, did some nice acting for us. But really bringing that into the bodies. And we have some other people who, you know, spontaneously were having deep emotional responses, which we managed to capture that for real on film. So, you know, 99% of what you're seeing on that is like genuine, spontaneous, real actions. So even when, you know, we're following me walking through the forest or something, Niles is saying, you know, do what you normally do, dude. You know, do what you do. Walk how you walk, wear what you wear. And, you know, maybe I'm like 
I do it a couple of times so we can get a shot, but we had a really firm principle of keeping it as real as we can. So it, it's as close to a, a real time, you know, fly on the wall view into somebody's life as you can get. And that, as I say, that includes not only the light and the beauty, but also the shadow and the grotesqueness. They're all, they're all depicted, but ultimately in a way that strengthens. So that's, that's again one of the great rewards of contemporary mystical practice that you see in this film is that all light, all shadow can be transmuted into something that empowers. There is no thing to run from. There is nothing to be afraid of. No one on earth, no mystic is afraid of anyone on earth. And this film, you know, advocates for that kind of rare courage to say, once you get this in your bones and your blood, this journey is very physical. It's in the flesh, as we say right at the start of the film. It's not some, like Niall said, you know, sat in a cave with your head shaved eating porridge. This is, <laughs> this is life. This is life with blood spraying all over the place. And so it's very visceral experience. And to, to take ourselves through the landscapes of mainly sort of Oregon and California, and also we had some other um, kind of satellite uh, filmers and photographers, uh, you know, out there doing work for us in Asia and Africa, which is incredible, and Japan and all over the place, Indonesia, all kinds of incredible places. But most of the footage that uh, I that was shot with with me in it is the landscapes that Niles and I know. So we just said, let's showcase the the actual strength and beauty of these forests and deserts and roadways and mountains and snow water fire you know everything let's show it let's really show the elements moving together so many of this much of the symbolism in the film that we use to communicate a, a deeper message is pinned upon those the relationships between the elements so all through the film you see sun moon earth fire air water ether wind you see it all throughout the film and you see particular Again, invitation to ask, why are we showing you this? Is it purely just because it looks nice or are we showing you something else? So in my script that I'm writing, having written this film and Niles has seen this, there's a column on the left, which is the stuff that I say. And there's a column on the right, which is the other things we want to show people, which nobody will ever see unless you look carefully. So there are multiple layers to this film. Lots of secrets, lots of codes, lots of magic in there, which is a, which is really for the more intermediate and advanced viewers and aspirants to say, there's something substantial here for everybody. You may think you've walked the path for a long time. You may think you've seen a lot, but there's some things in here that you won't have seen before if you look carefully, if you wish to. And just to add to that, I mean, in terms of acting, you know, we did have some moments where people kind of did a mock piece, but whenever you, as a filmmaker or a documentarian that's trying to capture things that are real and authentic, it isn't actually acting because you get people, you almost put them in what's called the method space where you get them to talk about something that's true to their life, right? In their own pain and their own struggle of what's actually real, like Neil says. So I'm thinking of one scene in particular where a friend of ours that Neil and I have a lot of admiration for, uh, this gal Amanda, uh, or I'm sorry, Andrea. Uh, you know, has a has a situation where she has a little bit of a sad moment shared on screen in the film. And so getting her to talk about something that's real in her own life with uh, 
somebody that she's has that's very dear to her who is a struggle personally with her it's like get you to talk about that on screen and then that causes the real tears mm-hmm. to come and the real emotion to flow right so that's how you do capture authentic moments that are a little bit you could technically said say st- set up and stagey but i don't want to say totally staged they're 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 kind of put in a container where then you can allow, allow the real emotions to yeah, flow. Yeah, that's right. That's a nice way of saying yeah. it. So we create the environment and say, let's make something real happen within this environment. Because obviously exactly. Niles, Niles can't follow me around for three years every day and put his whole life on pause while he wanders around you know, in the shadows behind me. So we have to create the environment, but all the time we're saying, well, let's make it real though. So there's, there's a bit in it, for example, where we're talking about you know doing things differently and technology not necessarily being always your friend and who controls the message and i go out into the forest with my ar15 like i do all the time and shoot a laptop <laughs> I love and, niles is, and niles is like neil let's do it let's show them this this is something that you do it's not the normal spiritual thing is it blowing things to pieces with a semi-automatic rifle a black rifle an evil black rifle that the democrats are so scared of but let's use that tool in a different sense put it in the put this tool in the hands of a good man a wise man hopefully and let's see what we can uh, arouse in the audience with that because that is part of my life so even that becomes something that we took special time to depict and niles did a lovely job of making that look you know awesome it did he did did. but what let me ask you because i was i I loved that scene what was your purpose in doing that what was the message you were trying to convey the message was very simple which is the tools that we use we have to master them and if we can't master them they master us so whether it's a gun or whether it's a computer whether it's your cell phone or your AI, anything, you have to command it. And when you've lost control, it's time to take it back. So that was depicted by me shooting this laptop. And by the way, that first shot, Niles, was that a real shot? Absolutely. First take, buddy. First take right through the apple with iron sights, <laughs> not even with a scope, by the way. Just Looked pretty new to me, that laptop, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was... It was it was ready to go for a number of reasons, but yeah, we uh, we we took that symbol just to create a moment of stark contrast to say if you can't master the tools, you've got a problem. And most people are slave to their cell phones, aren't they? Slave to their cell phones, slave to their computers, slave to the uh, big technology companies. So me shooting that was a way of saying, I am not slave to this. And let, let me give you a visual demonstration of how that can be. Let me just uh, tell you before I go to Niles so he can comment on that scene. A quick parenthesis, folks. Let me, if I might ask you, it's better if you stop this audio now. We're halfway through the first segment. But if you stop this audio now and go to, uh, just an idea that occurred to me, go to transmutationfilm.com. It's $5 to rent. Or thirty dollars to purchase, and believe me, with with what you see in the movies these days, there's no comparison. The amount of information you're going to get, believe me, it's worth that in gold and more. So if you do that, watch the movie, and then come back and listen to this. Let's call it a director's cut commentary, if you will. And <laughs> after you watch the movie, why don't you replay it with 
the, the, the volume down, mute it, and listen to the commentary while you're watching those visuals. And it's going to make a lot of sense. But I didn't want to interrupt you. Niles, your, your impression of that scene, which was very powerful, and I knew exactly, Neil, exactly what you were trying to do. When I saw that mm -hmm. laptop being shot, I said to myself, because I, you know, I'm a gun, a person who, who believes in, in gun rights and all. But at the same time, I thought he's trying to convey the message that we control technology. These people that continue to say the AI will take over, that's just nonsense in my opinion. Niles. Yeah, well, that scene is a is a beautiful example of just showing not only what Neil highlighted well in terms of the metaphor of one technology essentially destroying another or mastering something. It's also just an example of allowing Neil to be in his authentic environment doing something that he really does, which is exactly what we tried to do throughout the film and as a documentary filmmaker with getting footage of people that, you know, haven't even necessarily been on screen before. It's it's putting them in an environment that they're comfortable with and that they actually naturally do and that speaks to them. So we have Neil shooting his rifle and walking through the woods and, you know, investigating nature and other people in tea ceremonies or sun gazing or just doing rich, you know, some sort of ritual. Uh, you know, all these things are just ways that you can put somebody in a container that makes them comfortable. And as you know, Mel, I mean, you have so many phenomenal and amazing guests on a show like this. And when you have the lucky, uh, um, you know, just joy of meeting high consciousness people, you can put them on camera and they just say amazing things. So the combination of getting people to feel comfortable and putting them in an environment that they naturally do, and then getting authentic words to spill from them that are just amazing and enlightening things, that's a recipe for success. So Niles knew that all he had to do was put me in the forest with a gun and everything would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. And one thing I also notice is that you also, you, you don't forget the pain and the suffering. As you said, it's a duality, the, the moon and the sun and, and the night and the day. You don't forget that. You added it in the movie. And I want to ask you this, Neil. Why is it that the best and the biggest priority people have these days is to avoid pain and suffering and to have the best pleasure immediately. Pain is a control mechanism and we are conditioned to avoid it from birth because you're taught that it will destroy you, which of course it cannot under no circumstances. No one has ever been weakened and destroyed by pain. It doesn't work like that. But as children and through parenting and school and uh, college and the workplace, and then the society, the, the culture itself, you're taught that if there's pain, and let's say, I don't mean the pain if you like, you know stick a needle in your finger or if you burn your hand on the oven, not that kind of pain, let's the inner pain, emotional pain, that if you're experiencing that, something's wrong. And you can take a pill to make that wrongness go away. And so it's it's treated pain as a disease, as a, a misfortune where some terrible imbalance has occurred and you shouldn't feel it. There's something wrong if you feel that. In mysticism, again, it's upside down, wrong way around that view. Mysticism tells it like it is, which is pain is a messenger. Pain is saying, hey, you're out of alignment. There's something wrong, either with your home, your work, your relationships, with how you see things, with how you think about things, somewhere, something in your life is out of whack. 
And pain comes as a disharmony, essentially, to uh, request course correction. So think of a compass bearing. You're out at sea and you're heading in the wrong direction and you start to get this funny, nasty feeling that you're going the wrong way. You're going into you know, treacherous waters and you get this hunch. You think, you, think, you know what, I'm, I don't know, but I'm just gonna, not going to go west anymore. I'm going to go east. I'm going to switch around, bring this sail around and go the other way. That's course correction, and that's what essentially pain is trying to do, is say, you're marching in the wrong way for the wrong reasons. And so soul is, is asking you to make a change. And in this film, we show that when you see that in that way, when you embrace disharmony, you start to recalibrate it, not as pain, not as a misfortune, but as misalignment. And once you... Uh, acknowledge that misalignment you can then correct it and then a funny thing happens the world around you in conjunction with soul says we don't need to give this guy much pain because he's embraced it he's understood it and when you understand pain it doesn't come back as much the world gives you a break because it says we don't need to use pain as the messenger for misalignment with this guy because he's understood it so it'll come now and again through life but not that often, less and less and less. And then you see, you, you realizing that once you understand a thing, once you comprehend its essence, the necessity for that lesson to keep repeating dissolves. And so we, again, if you watch this film carefully, we depict that to say, if you can embrace the shadow, if you can stand in the eye of the storm, if you can feel that, you know, tumult, that turbulence, all around you and be in the middle of that hurricane and stand and let it pass by when it's passed you'll be stronger and wiser all pain enwisens you it it makes you a deeper person when you understand it if you try to avoid it it will always chase you and no matter where you go change the scenery change the person change the workplace it never goes away so you have to take this very spiritual philosophical metaphysical point of view and say why is this disharmony coming into my heart and mind and the film gives you examples of that and solutions of what you can do to help address that so yeah we're not afraid of pain in this film and as uh, as uh, one of the very esteemed people in the film say you have to invite pain to tea you have to ask this suffering into your own home and say hi what can i do for you what you're looking at what's the problem let's go you know embrace it don't run from it and even more importantly uh to add to that mate i mean in terms of mind heart and will you know we think about our pain we feel our pain and then we engage our will to do something about our pain right so yeah you, word, you, yeah. you and i had both bonded on the fact that in past lives of our earlier selves, we had spent significant amounts of pain doing things that we knew that we were in call for course correction with. So yeah. as we all go through layers of pain with layers of an onion, um, it, it sometimes can take a long time to, to transition from one thing to another. And those are sad times. So It does. It does. Yeah. Things don't happen overnight. And it's, it's a bit like, you know, if you hear a, a love song sung by a 22 year old, it doesn't it doesn't really work. Whereas when you hear it sung by a 52-year-old who's had the heart broken 58 times, yes, yes. You, can, you can feel something 
you can feel a great substance in that woman's voice or in that man's voice. And it's the same in this. You're meeting people who have dealt with suffering, dealt with joy, dealt with grievance, bereavement, sorrow, profound inner turmoil, and beat it. Not just run away from it and created some nice little hippie world. They've actually transmuted it. Now, some more than others. But in this film, I would say you can encounter certainly a handful of people where it's clear. Again, look closely, though. You've got to look closely. It's clear when you encounter them, this is somebody who can transmute any elemental force. And pain is only an elemental force, just like anything else. So the transmutation works every way, dark to light, creation to destruction, pain to wisdom, anything you wish. And there's no right and wrong polarity for that. So getting to the point where you can change suffering, that's pretty big. That's a pretty big thing to do. But it's it's only seen in the hearts and minds of men and women who've done it. You can't pontificate about it from a distance. You have to embody it. And that's that's what we've tried to do with this. And there's a number of people in this film who do a lovely job of embodying that. And again, all at different stages of the journey. So if you imagine a ladder with a hundred rungs on it, you want someone on the 20, 25th rung, someone on the 50th, someone on the 75th. So you can see all up and down that ladder, you've got different beacons of progress, different mm-hmm. beacons of help and assistance to help you up that ladder. It's no use having everyone at the top. It's too you know, uh, disheartening for those who are only beginning their journey. So you always need someone near the bottom of the ladder saying, hey, this is all right, come up. Come up here, have a take a look. It's not as scary as you think. And then you need people higher up and higher up. So all along that ladder of spiritual attainment, we've got people who are offering this uh, support, love, wisdom, strength, power all the time. You mentioned, Niles, the fact that Hollywood is one of the tentacles. I call this the Hydra. We have <laughs> the, the financial system. We have Hollywood. We have education. We have big pharma all together. And when we're talking about pain and the fact that instead of people just embracing being bored, I remember as a child being bored sometimes, and that's part of life. Right now, kids just cannot be bored. They cannot be in pain. They cannot cry. They cannot be depressed. Those are things that we were born with to experience. But right now, it's more important to disguise that with pharmaceuticals. Uh, there's no talk therapy anymore. You go to the therapist and instead of asking, how are you doing? Uh, okay, let me increase your dose. The, the disguisement of all these emotions that are totally innate to human beings being hidden from us, why is it? Why is it that people just do not embrace them as part of life, as part of night and day? Yeah, I mean, polarity is there for a reason, isn't it? So that's it's an interesting point that you ref- referenced, Mel, just the, I guess, w- one aspect of what Neo might call empire is this big religion, big corporations, big government, big science dynamic that we have to kind of suffer through in the s- cell phone bars of consciousness these days where we're in a yugic cycle perspective, maybe at a low point and coming into a, a higher point of, of of being and what human beings are capable of doing and the way that we structure and organize society. But in in, in terms of, In terms of that, I mean, you got me thinking, too, on social media, which I know is just extra difficult for young people these days where, you know, I'm young enough. I'm 38 at the time of this recording where we didn't even have to grow up with that, where 
people have this kind of highly curated way that they pretend to present their lives on the Internet, which is very different from what actually goes on with their real lives day to day and all the pain and suffering and and disheart, disheartfulness versus just what they perceive as their kind of shallow, superficial way of presenting themselves to others. So it is very important to have an authentic way of being and have people that you see and have truly vertical relationships with in the flesh, isn't it? That you can have real interactions with and not just this, this really experience those things in this beautiful dynamic of life and um, know that, as we say in the film, transmutation is the weapon of the master. So as we talk about will engagement, I mean, when we are in pain and we have difficulties to do things that actually push through those and get us to that next level of the next glass ceiling that we can level up with. So I hear you for sure, mate. Neil, when I think of this in, in what he, what Niles mentioned about the, the, the polarity that we experience with the life these days, when you were filming the movie, did you realize that that was going to be the reaction of people to say, listen, instead of just hiding behind meds, instead of hiding behind, you know, depression, why don't just embrace it and find out how to transmute it into something better? Yeah, the film appears to the uninitiated as quite a, you know, quite welcoming and gentle, which it, it is in some ways. We, you know, we're polite, civilized, uh, you know, cultivated human beings making this movie for other similar people. But it also has a very brutal and direct candor about it, which is you have within you, each of you, everything necessary for great strength and clarity great lucidity and great learning and if you don't choose that then to hell with you because that has to be your own chosen self-determined providential path no one's going to do it for you there is no savior here there is nobody who's going to redeem you if you can't do it yourself and i would add to that that even redemption figures savior figures like buddhas and christs and you know, Hermes figures like uh, in the Western esoteric tradition, they would say, sure, I can help you. I can model away. I can show you something. I can give you an impression of what you're capable of. But in the end of the day, you must do it yourself. You can't just wear my insignia and be saved. You must embolden yourself to heal yourself. You must use your God-given power of choice to make good discriminations, good judgments, discern truthfully. So it is a call to arms as much as it is a an understanding of the problem. Like Niall said, we don't just want to keep articulating problems. There's, there's plenty of <laughs> sources to go and do and see that. What we want to do is say, here's ways of fixing stuff. Here's ways of making yourself stronger and better. And if you don't do it, then to hell with you. Because I, we're not here to just give everyone a, a free anything. This is a an invitation to wisdom, and you don't have to accept it. And just like in any any situation, you have to empower yourself first and foremost. You can't expect the government to do it. You can't be a you know a refugee in your own life. You've got to make yourself into this warrior, where all the elemental forces become yours for the. Uh, the skill and the mastery 
and the artistry to live life properly. And so in seeing the film, you see examples of that. Women, men, young, mature, uh, traditional, contemporary, old-fashioned, modern. You'll see examples of everything. And even uh, where we're just showing what appears to be elements, scenery, mountains, rivers, it's all shot in a particular way to continue that invitation. Again, you have to pay very careful attention to the symbolism. And once you start to decode that and read it, you see that we're, we're saying to people, you have this power within you. And if you unlock it, life gets a thousand times better. And this ridiculous empire system, which is in decline at the moment, and it's in panic, thank God, because of uh, Donald Trump, who is a, a friend um, to the natural way of life, in my view, although that sounds convoluted and contrary to some people but we won't worry about that it's a whole other show we'll, you and I will talk about Donald Trump another time Mel on, on air perhaps but Empire on the on the whole is terrified at the moment because its power base is being compromised and we can't wait for other people to do that you can't wait for some other authorities to do that you can't wait for just the patriots and the men of spirit to do that you have to do it yourself so the battle is is a home battle. It's on your own doorstep. It's in your own kitchen table. It's in your own workplace, your own relationships, your own dreamscape. It's everything you do is spiritual conflict. And if you don't accept that, then you become a slave to the authority. So as I've said time and again, empire ultimately is there to compel self-determination. Once you self-determine, empire has no purpose and it disappears. And this film, again, is a, is a call to that self-determination to say, embrace your own power, activate your own destiny. And you'll see that even in the small ways in life, you can transform everything. You totally can do it. And just, just as a, an example, you know, we present different people who have set up on that path just to embody it so you can see it for real. It's not just words on a page. It's not just some stupid YouTube video that maybe isn't even real. This is real life, real people, real transformation all the time, every day. And you can smell it. You can taste it. And, uh, you know, if people are really interested in that, you know, they can come and uh, meet some of these people. You can come and see me at the Omega Institute in September 7, 8, and 9 this year. Meet some of those people. Meet me. Talk to some of the people who are doing that real transmutation work. So the more serious aspirants, don't just watch it. Come and meet them. Come and talk to the other people. Come and spend the weekend with those people and let's study together, talk together, walk together. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a whole f way of life, this. It's a whole thing. And the film is a, a symbol of that, which is, of course, what we're talking about today. But it's really to ask people to set that transmutation alight in their own life. Beautifully said. And that's really about the deeper esoteric transformation of that inner fusion, isn't it? As you reconnect with your yeah. higher self and become essentially like a conscious transition. Inner fusion. Trans I like that, Niles. That's excellent. Oh, I thank you. Become I like a steal that off you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Become like a transducer of the divine. I mean, that's one way that we can look mm -hmm, at it. Nice. Right? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, a powerful individual, and you know, we obviously are trying to highlight that in the film as so much of our journey is an inner path, and it's about doing what we can on ourselves. Is is 
I pulled a quote that says a sovereign embodied individual is granted a deep recognition of the interrelationship of life, fully tuned into the deep nature of divine spirit as an individualized but not separate expression of it. So beautifully, uh, a beautiful way of looking at what we tried to encapsulate with the folks that are presented on screen as obviously this film is not just something that's trying to be a, a piece that just promotes Neil's material, but it's something that Neil's so perfectly cast to share that type of dynamic and also show other people that are at some stage of working on that process. Yeah, and as somebody said to me who has watched it and they emailed me, said, it strikes me that what what do you get when you put incredible, powerful individuals together an incredible, powerful community. So good community has to come through extraordinary individuals, not collectivists, not followers, not sheep. So each person has to embrace their own highly individual power. And then when you gather a hundred of those people together, something quite extraordinary happens. You know, it's you, you're talking about a totally different way of living together, living life in different ways, different communities, whatever, but... It takes individuals, real individuals, to make a community. So that's that's a funny way of looking at this, that those individuals then go out, spend time together, live together, you know, create, collaborate, fall in love together, reproduce together, live lives together. So you, you're seeing that that is the, the essential catalyst for change in society is embracing your individuality. Absolutely. And whenever I hear people talk about collectivism and taking the power away from the individual to give it to the group, folks, recorded history is completely full of these stories. Take a look at communist China. Take a look at the Soviet Union. Take a look at so many other places in history where millions of people died. When you think communism, think 100 million people dead in the 20th Century, But I keep writing things down that Niles is always also saying uh, that I want to write down for the future. For example, the part about social media being a platform where your reality is curated. So true. And it presents only a figment of your real life. But I think most importantly, it makes people compare themselves to others as opposed to appreciate or appreciating our own lives but we have to take our one and only intermission before the break i want to just say this that comes from the movie truth changes people the more truth we discover the more change comes truth destroys the world you used to live in and this is why 10 years ago when i was trying to look for a name for this very radio program <laughs> the name that came up was veritas truth because truth is the most important thing in our lives nothing else matters when you look at things in perspective once again how can people watch and buy the movie transmutation folks you go to transmutationfilm.com it's so simple and you'll be able to rent it there or even better buy it and if you do buy it obviously you get it to keep and own for the rest of your days and with that you get a ton of special commentary materials you get hours and hours and hours of Niles and I talking about all the different things involved with the film so you get the director and the writer talking about this you know the layers of this film and helping the viewer to see other elements that you know are gonna probably remain quite mysterious to most people but yeah transmutationfilm.com uh, if you go there everything that you need is is right there in front of you so simple so easy and you also mentioned omega you have uh, an activity coming up in the near future neil 
Yes, um, most of the people that you'll see in the film uh, are going to be uh, with me at my uh, annual workshop at the Omega Institute up in Rhinebeck, upstate New York. Beautiful, rural, uh, kind of, you know, retreat center up there, spiritual college, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we bring a nice, real bunch of people together. And September the 7th, 8th, and 9th, so if you go to neilkramer.com, and you uh, go on the events page, you'll see that. And uh, the name of that workshop is Radiant Shadow. And so I'll be talking about all kinds of things, all kinds of mystical issues, all kinds of social issues. We'll be talking about transmutation. And if you watch that film and you like what you see, you like some of those people, you like some of those ideas, come and talk to us, come and meet us, spend the weekend with us, and you know, you'll uh, meet you know, some of the best new friends you've ever met you'll see some people that you saw on the screen and they'll be happy to talk to you and share their stories with you so yeah if you like what you saw on the screen come along and see us uh, september 7 8 and 9 this year the omega institute so if you go to neilkramer.com click on the events page you'll see everything you need to know about that thank you well folks don't go anywhere i'm here with neil kramer and niles heckman discussing the film transmutation we're going to dissect much more you don't want to miss it. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you. Thank you.